welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Exam Study Expert podcast, featuring for the first time my new colleague, who is... Dr Alex Hibble. Alex, you have... PhD in psychology from the University of Oxford. And I was also a lecturer in study skills there. Excellent. Alex, a very warm welcome. Um, for the benefit of you listening at home, uh, just a little bit of extra context. Uh, Alex joined the team a couple of months or so back and has already been fabulously helpful with all sorts of things we do uh, around Exams to the Expert these days, uh, including helping lead on our research projects, uh, speaking at schools, at education conference, uh, as well as supporting some of our coaching clients, especially those at school age uh, or university level clients who are working on research or writing projects like a dissertation or thesis. I hope she'll be a regular face, or perhaps I should say voice, on the podcast from time to time. Um, And in so doing, helping me produce a more rounded programme of episodes for you by complimenting me on some of the things I don't know so much about uh, that she does know a thing or two about, such as, as I mentioned, research projects uh, and academic writing, uh, as well as things like brain health, neurodiversity, and a whole bunch of other things she's taken an interest in uh, over the years. But for today, I thought uh, a really nice way to, to celebrate doing our first episode together was by talking about relationships with your colleagues and friends. And we recently ran the Exam Study Expert podcast listener survey. And thank you so much again to all of you who gave us your time to give us a few words of feedback and suggestions. And we're wasting no time in acting on the wealth of brilliant ideas that came from that. And amongst those ideas, managing relationships with family, friends, colleagues and teachers uh, was an area that came up for several of you. So we're getting the ball rolling on that topic today uh, and starting by thinking about how you can work with your friends, because they're so often an integral part of your kind of day to day life, whether you're studying at at school or university or even if you're a professional taking exams, uh, this might more refer to to kind of your colleagues, uh, particularly your peers who are taking the same exams as you. And there are certainly many potential upsides that can come from having friends and and, and peers around you. And we're going to talk about how to maximise those potential upsides. But there can also sometimes be some slightly undesirable things that come up when it comes to sort of the interactions with your peers. So we also want to talk about how we can manage those potential issues as well. So without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. One of the issues that we can have when we're working with friends is because so much of our time with friends is to do with socialising, it can be quite hard to switch from a social relaxed atmosphere into a more focused work intensive time. And this is particularly the case if we're trying to work in person, but also the existence of smartphones and apps, there's always a way for your friends to contact you if they want to. So it's worth thinking about some sort of boundaries that you can put in place to try and encourage yourself to really avoid these distractions for the times when you want to be committing this sort of focused work. So something that William has suggested before is turning the phone face down, better yet, in another room. But how can we do this if we're working together in person? One of the things is just discussing this with friends, just saying, I really want to work with you, but let's have quiet focused time. Maybe a Pomodoro we know for 25 minutes, 
we're not allowed to speak. And sometimes this can really utilize the benefits of peer pressure. If you know that they're trying not to speak to you and you know that you're trying not to speak to them, this can be a really effective way of just locking in that silence time. Yeah, we're very social creatures as humans, aren't we? And we're very responsive to, to sort of social cues and people around us. And so if ever, if the energy of the room around us is let's have a bit of a chat and hang out, then, you know, that's going to drag us down. But equally, if the energy of the room is let's get our head down and focus, that can potentially lift us up. Though I'd probably say, I think there's perhaps that kind of works differently for different people here. I think there are some people that really thrive in that kind of environment. And some people, you know, particularly if you're getting a bit stressed in exam term, sometimes sitting with your peers, particularly if they're taking the same course as you and seeing them make loads of progress might just be the last thing you want at that particular moment. All I think all of the things we're going to talk about today take through a filter of what's going to work best for me. And it might be that what works best for you changes over time. And so what works for you in semester one or term one is going to be a little bit different to exam term. I think one of the things that's interesting here, though, is that sometimes your friends are going to get on board with that idea of let's all sit down together and really focus. And sometimes the energy in the group, particularly if your circle of friends is perhaps a little bit less academically engaged or certainly less academically engaged than you, sometimes despite you asking, they might not be on board with that or even you feel like you can't even ask at all because you'd be made a mockery of for wanting to do well and so forth. Do you have any advice if kind of that's your sort of social dynamic? How can you cope with that kind of energy where your friends don't really want to engage and don't want you to engage, certainly? Yeah, I think that is a tricky one. I'd say one thing is not all friends have to be everything to you, right? So you can have some friends who you do lean harder into studying with and some friends who maybe you never talk about academics at all. Maybe, you know, you've bonded over sport or popular culture. And I think that's absolutely fine as long as you work out for yourself which groups of friends you feel able to talk about academics with and which ones you don't. And like you said, this will change across the year. It might be that some people really like to plan ahead and start revision way earlier in the academic year. And so you know, they're going to be there throughout the academic year, whereas other friends might be students who respond more to pressure. And so it's only going to be in the final exam term where they really want to go join you in the library and have these quiet focus sessions. So not expecting everyone to be everything at once and understanding that people are flexible and their motivation changes with time. Yeah, definitely. I remember that I had... There's one gentleman in particular I'm thinking of. I, I couldn't go near him in exam term because he was always just so full of all that he'd be making. And even when I was just trying to unwind and just have a bite to eat over lunch and maybe take my mind off, so I'd worked hard all morning. I wanted to decompress a little bit. The only thing he wanted to talk about was the sort of academic content. And he's a he was a fantastic guy and we stayed great friends, but I just slightly eased off how much I'd like to see him in exam term just because I was finding it wasn't it wasn't working for me. Let's talk a little bit again about phones though, because that's a huge deal for a lot of people. So sometimes people will say to me things like, you know, there's this kind of expectation on me in an evening that I will respond to messages whether you're on WhatsApp or Snapchat or whatever you're using as your medium of choice. I'm showing my age a little bit here, perhaps. I don't know. Any thoughts on how you might go about setting those boundaries with friends when there is that kind of expectation that when you go home in the evenings after college or whatever, you will be contactable and you will be exchanging contact back and forth? I think one is just to model the sort of communication response that you want. So if you get into the practice of, I don't look at my phone between 6 and 8 p.m., over time, your friends will start to notice this is a pattern and they'll stop expecting that. Another thing you can do is turn off red receipts. So on WhatsApp, the little blue ticks, the last online. If your friends are constantly able to see when you're last online, it does create this illusion that you're just sitting there at the other side of the phone. So I found in the past, just having a few weeks where I turn these red receipts off, it really releases me from that pressure of thinking, oh my goodness, someone has texted me and I must reply immediately. Any other potential issues when it comes to 
our interactions with friends that we should maybe address? I think sometimes just knowing yourself, really the pitfalls of this. So we know that when we try and switch tasks, there's a huge attentional cost. If I pick up my phone and text someone back, I don't immediately switch back into work. There is a cost. There's a time it's going to take me to get that level of focus and attention back. And even just knowing this as a fact, I found really helpful because it means that when I do think, oh, I could just check my phone, I know actually this is it's not going to be a two second, five second procedure. This is really going to take about five minutes of my time. And you never know what the text might contain. And you're just setting yourself up for failure. As I, I think it was, I came across a study, even if you have the phone in your sight line, but it's off, like sometimes just even being able to see it, even though it's off, can trigger thoughts about what if someone's replied to me or what if someone sent me a message or asking a question. So yeah, turning the phone off and getting it out of the room is definitely best practice. We've touched on it a little bit already, but I just wanted to zoom in on mindset a little bit more. What are some of the potential negative impacts on kind of mindset of your sort of peers and your social contacts? I think you touched on this a little bit with your friend who always wanted to talk about academics. I think we've probably all experienced at some point in our lives a friend who's very competitive. And it could be that this is an anxiety coping mechanism for them, or it could be genuinely that their motivation for doing well in exams really is get the scores up. But that can be really difficult because we're all at different stages in our academic journey. We're all going to have subjects which we find naturally easier, naturally harder. And comparing yourself against somebody, especially when you know they may not be completely transparent. You often have friends who say, oh, I stayed up all night studying or they might say I haven't studied at all and you never really know if this is the case so just comparing your raw score at the end of things can be a really negative habit to get into so I would say as much as possible try and you can always say like I was pleased with my outcome in this exam but trying to stay away from the raw scores I think is quite a good tip I think that's I think that's really important. I th- when I had a conversation with Dr. Erica Patel, it was episode forty-three, motivation to study. If you haven't listened to that episode, Dr. Erica Patel is something of a rock star in the world of sort of academic motivation and motivation to study. And she and I asked her the question: of all the motivational strategies students leaning on, are there any you feel would be best? for us not to use so much, anything that that doesn't work or is best avoided. And the first thing she said straight away was competitiveness, being too competitive. And that was really interesting for me on reflection because I'd spent a lot of my school years being pretty competitive and trying to outdo my friends. And definitely like in school, that helped and it helped me get a really good set of school grades. But I had my comeuppance when I got to university and all of a sudden I wasn't top of the class anymore. I probably wasn't even the top half of the year group, particularly in, in first and second years. And so that that kind of mental habit of continuously comparing myself and getting a lot of my drive from that, when the comparisons are no longer very favorable, it's quite painful and it's quite a painful adjustment. So even if the kind of competitiveness thing is working for you now, just watch out. You may be making a rod for your own back at some point along your academic journey. Maybe that strategy stops serving you so well. So yeah, just being watching out for that. I think that's a really important one. And just to pick up on something else you said, Alex, I think that's so funny about it. It can go one of two ways when friends are talking about how much they're working. Sometimes friends play, down, play up how much they're working and they're like, oh, I'm working 14 hours a day. And no one's working 14 hours a day. Shut up. Like, <laughs> Or certainly not productively. But on the other hand, you get some friends that I also have this, like sometimes people will play down how much they work and they'll be like, oh, I like I'm not doing any work. And that's just so frustrating because they are doing work, (laughs) but they're kind of making it out such they're not because 
It means that either way they win. If they do well in the test, then they're a towering genius because they did well in the test, even having done no work. And if they did poorly on the test, then they're insured against embarrassment because they didn't do any work. So that's why they didn't do very well. Mm. So they get to have it both ways. And yeah, again, that's not a particularly helpful dynamic to be around. If there are friends that really lean hard into how little or how much they're working, yeah, again, those are perhaps conversations you you might want to just expose yourself to a little bit less, particularly in exam season. Yeah. And I think the converse of that is true. If you can find a friend who's got a really good study routine and they're honest and transparent about it, that can be a really great resource because in a sense, they've already made a timetable and you can just hop on and use that or even join them for some of their study sessions or virtually join them if two to four, they're studying French and you think, oh, two to four, I'll study French. That can really help you focus. So there, there's always like a flip side to these bad study practices we see. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So any thoughts on how you might get the most out of working together? I think there's going to be different parts in the school year where different strategies are going to be really useful. So we, we speak to lots of students who really love flashcards and flashcards are a great resource to buddy up with a friend. We see time and time again, students spend too much time making the flashcards, not enough time testing them. If you can split the deck and you each make half of the deck, particularly if it's an online flashcard resource where you can both contribute, but then both use them at the same time, that, you know, that halves the making time and really maximizes your testing time. So flashcards is a great one to buddy up on. You can also try and engage students and do mock exams together. And this is twofold. First, you're practicing your exam technique, you're practicing writing to time. But also for students who get a lot of test anxiety, the more mock exams you can do, they really work as a pressure vaccine. So that's a fantastic thing to do with your friend, because again, you're utilizing that peer pressure of working silently, making sure that actually when your buzzer goes off, you are going to finish. It's always really tempting. I would do this all the time when I do mock exams. When I was a student, I would let the buzzer go off and I just think, oh, well, I could keep on working on this answer. And before you know it, you spent twice the exam time on your practice paper and you haven't really practiced the skills you wanted to practice at all. I guess there's quite an interesting thought about accountability in all this as well, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot easier to be committed and to really show up and focus if you think that by not doing this, you'll be letting your friend down. And sometimes it's that push that you need to do. And as well as accountability, we can also think about commitment. If I say out loud, I'm going to do this practice paper and my friend is sitting in the room with me, it's then a lot harder for me to get up and go surf the internet, go for a walk outside because I know that they're expecting in an hour and a half, I will have finished this practice paper. If you're struggling to to overcome procrastination or kind of stick to your plan, like having some social element to that can be a really handy thing to do. Sometimes that's part of what we offer as exam success coaches some of our coaching clients. The accountability pieces can be quite an important part of what we can help with. But yeah, like just to come back to the idea of sorting together with friends and staying accountable, there's a whole range of ways you can make this work, isn't it? There's the sort of formal, let's sit down and do a study group. There's the, or let's buddy up and keep each other on track with our study routines. Sometimes just the space you choose to work in, this can happen slightly by accident or on a kind of slightly more informal level. So if you choose to go and work in the library or there's a space called the Plum Auditorium at my college at Cambridge, which is a very intimidating space in exams filled with lots of individual desks and it's basically set up like an exam hall silent for silent working. But a lot of people will go in there every day and the same thing, the same thing for the main library, main university library. And so you have this sort of informal community of people all often go to the same place together and people will just casually check up on you. And if you've missed a few days, people might be, oh, I haven't seen you for a few days, everything, sort of thing. And you know, when people are clocking that you've 
got in on time at nine o'clock and people people are clocking if you got in at 11 o'clock rolled in late after lazy morning and no one's no one's out to give you massive judgment but there's kind of that element that you feel people are slightly judging you in quite a sort of helpful and constructive way because it helps motivate you to stick to your plan and stick to what you set out to do. Yeah, I loved working in the plum auditorium. They were a massive component of getting through my degree to that, I think. But equally, my next door neighbor, a guy called Alex, hated working in the plum auditorium, like absolutely despised it in there, hated the atmosphere and did all his work in his room. And he did really well as well. We both got first. As I said at the start, there's a lot of kind of personal choice in all this. Great. So what else can we get out of working and collaborating with friends? Is there, are there any other benefits we haven't mentioned yet? We touched upon if a friend has a good study routine, leaning into that. And this can be something really helpful, especially, you know, at GCSE level or A-levels when you're doing very similar subjects to your friends. Just chatting them, finding out which revision techniques they find really helpful. When we talk with our clients, we extol the virtues of retrieval practice and flashcards are really great for like fact-based learning. Practice questions are really good for more process type learning. So working out which parts of the syllabus really lean into which types of revision strategies. In a sense, you're, <laughs> you're taking the advantage of all the hard work they've put into figuring it out and you're leveraging the benefits. Definitely. Just make sure that their strategies are good. So if their strategies are lots and lots of rereading <laughs> or making long form notes and they're not Q&A notes, then maybe get them to listen to the uh, podcast a little bit more first. So look, great set of thoughts there. And again, just to emphasize one, one last time, take what you want from this episode. Take the things that are going to work best. For you. If you're someone who's going to thrive in working in a study group, then get a study group together. Take the most, Make the most of it. Do mock exams together. Do flashcards together. If you're someone who thrives working on their own, then work on your own. If you want to have an accountability partner alongside that, then do that. If you want to plow your own furrow and try and remove the negative influences from some of your friends, then do that. There are different things that different people take from this, but I hope it's been helpful to, to share and digest a few of our own reflections, thoughts and tips on managing the whole friendship element of exam preparation and taking. One last thought I would add, which is, I think it's pretty much the closing chapter of Outsmart Your Exams, my book on exam technique, which is when you walk out of that exam hall, the last thing you want to do is spend the time dissecting the exam. Like That exam has gone from being the most important thing in your life to the least important thing in your life. So if there are any friends, even if they are good friends who have the habit of dissecting the exam and trying to figure out and back solve every single problem on their way out of the exam hall, maybe just for that one little episode of your life, just maybe give that friend a little bit of a wide berth just on your way out of the exam hall for that afternoon. That's not a particularly helpful or constructive thing to do. And as always, if you'd like more tips on exam technique, check out Outsmart Your Exams. Just Google Outsmart Your Exams and it'll pop right up the web page and the Amazon shop page and all sorts of things. Alex, thank you so much for today. We just need to finish by introducing something that we're able to offer people. So on the whole theme of working together, collaborating with people, and something that Alex is going to be offering, we're going to run one in a week or so's time. And we are also planning to run, if it turns out to be popular, we plan to run more of these in future on a regular basis. We're calling it the power, the exam study expert power hour. And it's harnessing many of the benefits that Alex was talking about in terms of working together, that accountability, helping each other stay on track, be really productive, harnessing that kind of social support, even if you don't have a sort of ready-made network to hand in, in your own life. And sometimes even just even if you do have that option in your own life, sometimes just getting away from 
your immediate peers on the same course it might be quite a helpful thing to do. Sometimes people, as I said earlier, you don't want to see the, what everybody on your course is doing. You might still be able to benefit from that idea of working together, working with people from all around the world, all sorts of different kinds of courses. Alex, over to you. I'd love to just tell people a little bit more about the Power Hour concept and what it involves. Yeah, so Power Hour, although it will last an hour and a half. I mean, hour and a half just isn't that snappy, is it? So, We've got to figure out a better rhyme for it. So these will be co-working sessions where, like you said, we're going to get together a small group of students and we're going to meet online. And it's going to be a session where we start with goal setting, where students are encouraged to be very explicit. And this will really help with procrastination and product ma- and project management. But often tasks are really unstructured and daunting and actually saying out loud, okay, I have half an hour. In this half an hour, I'm going to achieve this one thing really encourages students to monotask, do one thing at a time with no distractions. So we'll have this focused goal setting um, and then we'll dive straight into it. We'll do a Pomodoro deep focused work and then we'll step back and we'll have a reflection. So of that goal that you tried to achieve, were you successful? Was it actually an achievable goal? How was your focus? Did you find your mind wandering? What sort of techniques can we do to keep students on track? And then we'll repeat this process again and again. So we'll have three blocks of focus time, but it really is this sort of explicit goal setting and reflection with the group that really helps students get into this great feedback cycle of improving their ability to time box, to structure their work. And I think I think the group reflections will be really valuable for students and also a time to share like this strategy works for me maybe you could try it out. Yeah, fantastic. We'll be holding these on, the first one is scheduled for December the 19th, 2022. So if you're listening to this in the first week of this episode coming out, you're in time to come along and join us for that. So that's December 19th. That'll be at 6pm UK time or 1pm Eastern Standard Time. If you are listening in the future, we're pretty confident that we're going to be offering these again in some format. You can head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash power hour, all one word, or if you want to put a hyphen in the middle, that'll work too. So power hyphen hour or power hour or one word without the hyphen and details of how you can enroll on the program that will give you access to the power hours will be there in the future. And in terms of who this is open to, the three main groups of people we call students, all of you are welcome to come, whether you are a student at firstly high school or just school, whether you are a student at university or college, all the way up to masters, PhDs even. And if you are also thirdly a professional studying for exams, you are a student of your subject too. So, you know, that's typically in fields such as medicine or finance, where you need to take Uh, professional exams as part of your career. No matter what your goals are, no matter what you're studying at the moment, you'd be very welcome to join us for the Power Hour. Whether you're looking to join us on the 19th or looking for information on the sessions in the future, just head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash power hour. And we'll put that link in the episode description as well. All that remains is for me to thank you so much for listening today. It's been a huge pleasure having your company with us as always. And Alex and myself would just like to wish you every success in your studies. Thanks ever so much.